Thursday back judge podcast action. Adam here along with Lee and Tommy. Boys, uh, how are we feeling? I'm getting a little fatigued, I'll be honest. Some of the quarterback talk is making me get fatigued with with all the draft discussion. I'm I'm getting ready totally to totally with you. Totally with you. I mean, you. I, I'm a big proponent of the, you know, wait delayed gratification, all that sort of stuff. Like I'm fine with waiting for the draft. I'm just saying uh, a lot of the discussions that are going around, I'm just getting a little uh it's getting a little old. Yeah, I agree. I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated with uh, the fact that the draft hasn't come yet. I feel like I, I'm like really ready for it, but I don't know. The, the league knows better than I do about the timing of the draft. But yeah, no, I'm definitely with you in that boat of anticipation and, and a little bit of frustration from all this overtalk of QB uh, and even other positions too. Just like over analysis of where these guys are going to go and what's going to happen. So. I'm I'm really excited. Yeah, to I think I think all, I mean for me at least it's all coming from the Mac Jones Justin Fields conversation um, in San Francisco, pretty much, and the over emphasis that some people are putting on, you know, that conversation and, and you know the potential the potential race implications that it has. I just think there's I think I think there's a lot of there's a lot of right going on, but there's a lot of over in analysts, and you know we're just gonna have to see what happens. I'll be the first one to say, man. This Mac Jones DUI thing, if Justin Fields got a DUI, I have a hard time believing we wouldn't know about it. And that weirds me out. I'll leave it at that. I don't think that, I don't think that draft media is racist. I don't think that the NFL even is necessarily that racist of a league. I think the NFL is like actively trying to become less like intrinsically racist. Obviously there's like issues stemming from the fact that all 32 owners are like white billionaires. Like there's obviously going to be some type of, friction there but at the same time like Klepp told me the other day that Mac Jones got a DUI in 2017 and we didn't hear a peep about it and you're telling me that people are coming up with these claims out of thin air that Justin Fields like doesn't want it or you know that he's like not he's like the first or last one in and first one out and they wouldn't cite a DUI if they had an opportunity to with Justin Fields I don't know that definitely weirds me out yeah it's 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 always uh an interesting discussion and yeah, I mean, it is bizarre, too, that you're looking at, you know, personally, I know me and Lee feel this way, that Trey Lance and Justin Fields are far more talented than even Zach Wilson, who was just pegged in as the as that number two mm-hmm. quarterback. But then, I mean, you're also looking at, too, people have compared, you know, Mac Jones even to, to Jameis Winston, and Jameis Winston was a black quarterback who went first uh, overall, especially with some off-the-field character concerns. So it's not, you know, always so cut yep. and dry, but... Yeah, it's in something I I saw like a throwback clip of of Charlie Casserly in the in the lead up to the 2019 draft, just going in on Kyler about how, you know, he doesn't really kind of Justin Fields esque type things, and then obviously, Kyler went on to be the first the first quarterback taken in 2019. I mean, maybe this is just an idealistic opinion for me to hold, but I just think above all, the NFL remains a meritocracy and. I'd like to. Th- I just would like to think that teams want to take the best players regardless of their skin color. Um, so you know. Yeah. No, I agree. And there is also like there there is a negative connotation with the transition from the black quarterbacks at Ohio State going to the NFL. It's not because they're black, but it, that happens to be a true thing. And if that's in the back of some an analyst's mind, like that's obviously an issue. If you're if you're like taking that into a thing like oh this is a trend, but it is nonetheless like a trend. So, like, I understand why that's been brought up. I think it's really lazy and stupid analysis. But, like, it is a true thing. Like, Cardale Jones, 
who was mightily successful in college, wasn't good in the NFL. Not that even the standards were set that high, but for a player like Dwayne Haskins, mightily good in college, extremely efficient quarterback. The standards were set super high for him, and he failed miserably. Like I, I called him uh, Black Josh Rosen. I think there's a lot of similarities between Josh Rosen and Dwayne Haskins. So now Justin Fields is, I guess, like the next iteration of that in some people's eyes. I think Fields is such, such a different yeah. player from those two quarterbacks. And if you can't, anyone who knows football, I think, laughs at those. That's why you don't scout things, the helmet, but you know? You don't scout the helmet. And hey, man, this could all be, you know, Bill Belichick or some other CEO of a team big braining everybody yes. and being like, Justin Fields is our number two quarterback. And if we have an opportunity to trade up with Atlanta at four, if he's there, he's ours. And if we if, if it takes us doing getting our hands a little dirty and saying some bad things about him to get him on the back end, then maybe we'll do that. I don't know. I think that's 4D chess. I got to start uh, this podcast opening music is going to be some Sam Harris uh, waking up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Heavy bass. Heavy um, ethereal bass. Lee, you made uh, a couple bets yesterday. Um, and we're, we're going to start off the podcast by just going over some of these props. We're going to keep it fresh. All right. None of the nauseating, uh, same old draft talk. Lee, t- talk us through some of the bets you made, what you like about them, and maybe we can go over some scenarios as to why. I, I believe that the-, the-, the bets you made are going to cash in, but we can also talk about, hey, maybe this is why it wouldn't. Yep. So I'll start out with the one that I'm most excited about. And honestly, Clep, this is like I can lay out the timeline in a way where you gave me a call, I want to say, three or four nights ago. Um, when the, the draft, I wasn't even really nosing into the draft odds too hard. Um, cause they've kind of been going up and down, up and down. And disappearing. And I don't really know what to think of them. And, and exactly. And disappearing in some, in some books. Greektown Gooch starts, starts lurking. They pick up that IP address and, yeah. uh, things start yeah. coming off the board. <laughs> I think maybe they know when I take screenshots of odds and then they, they disappear, but, uh, I don't want to flatter myself too much, but. Um, you were just basically talking about not only how much talent there is uh, in, in the, this offensive line class, tackles, guards, and centers, but how many teams there are in the first round that really could use help along the offensive line, most notably at tackle. Um, and on the phone, I, I think I remember you saying, I, I can see it being somewhere around eight offensive linemen taken in the first round and I did I agreed with you I was like man eight sounds realistic when I go through the names in my head that that could be kind of where we're at if a guy like Dylan Radons or Spencer Brown or Alex Leatherwood or Creed Humphrey gets taken in the first round so fast forward to the next spot in the timeline which is me going through the odds on win bet which is one of the books we have here in Michigan and I see the odds offensive lineman being drafted over six and a half Minus 140 at Wimbet. So I send that to you guys, and I'm thinking, man, like I'll take these odds. If I'm thinking it's around eight, I'll lay the 140 to to get over six and a half. But I didn't take it because I didn't want to be knee jerk. And 140 is kind of a lot of juice to lay on a draft prop. So flash forward to the the, the, the final part of this timeline is logging on to William Hill yesterday, a different book I have here in Michigan, and seeing that they have the same uh, number at six and a half, but for even money on the over. And at this point, I couldn't resist. I mean, this is just a, a position that I was very happy to take, even money on over six and a half offensive linemen being drafted in the first round. There were I, I did a little deep digging, and I don't remember all the numbers off the top of my head, but the trend of five to eight offensive linemen being drafted in the first round is relatively normal over the past decade in the NFL. Last year, obviously, we had those great top four tackles. Um, but even still with those guys, 
being the shoe-ins, the four of them, there were seven tackles, or sorry, seven offensive linemen taken in the first round last year. Um, I think six the year before. I want to say there were eight, four or five years ago. So this isn't something that's, you know, an anomaly. It definitely is a, a fairly high You've number. You've also seen team, a lot of teams trade back into the back end of the first round to get a tackle like the Saints did with Ramchek. Or, and then um, mm-hmm. the, the Falcons did it with McGarry. Um, so the, it's, it, other than maybe a quarterback for a team to bop back into the first round, um, they, they often do it for, for yeah. a tackle. Yeah, and when I saw that the mo- it was even money for the over, I love that because I really think that, honestly, like, I think if I'm losing this bet, there will be six offensive linemen taken in the first round. Yeah. Like, I think there's no way, there's no way that there will only be five offensive linemen taken in the first round. I think there will be six if I lose. And I think we're going to be flirting with six around pick 24 or 25. And if that's the case, and I still have the Chiefs, Packers, some of those better uh, structured teams that really do need help to get that next step in the, in the playoffs where they have a little more depth along the offensive line or a little bit more grit on the offensive line, like, kind of like we saw the Chiefs needed in the Super Bowl, I'm happy to take that position. Um, I'm really happy with this bet. If this line doesn't change, I honestly may go in and take a little bit more of it because I really am comfortable with uh, these. Not only how how uh, you know how good this tackle class is, but you forget guys like Creed Humphrey and Landon Dickerson are still obviously considered offensive linemen. And if those guys go, it just adds another tally to the board um, of offensive linemen being taken. So if you're in Michigan, I would highly suggest that you you take a bite out of that. Uh, even money on, on on over six and a half linemen in the first round, and I, I, I honestly, like I said, I would love to see you guys put some cold water on this because I really don't see. I think six is the absolute minimum of offensive linemen we're going to see in this in this first round, and quite frankly, I think the number around seven or eight is more realistic. Yeah, um, I don't really think I'm going to put any cold water on on it, Lee. I really love the look. I just think if this doesn't work, it's just going to be a, a stroke of bad luck where you're going to land on six. Because I think when we do our mental math, um, and I think when it comes to draft props, you really have to look at teams more than players. But let's look at players for a second. And I think we safely can assume there's five locks, right? You have Sewell, Slater, um, Tevin Jenkins, uh, Christian Derrissaw, and Elijah Vera Tucker. I think those are five locks for yeah. the first round, okay? And then forget about the rest of the players, some of which you've uh, talked about, Lee, and, and all of guys that we've you know, been referencing throughout the past couple months. You start to look at teams, and let's just say, you know, these are teams that I think all could use an offensive lineman. You know, maybe one of those guys I just mentioned is available, but it, I think it starts with the Raiders, the football team, the Bears, the Colts, I mean, even the Titans and I mean, the Titans and then the Steelers especially, all of those teams, 17 through 24, could use a tackle. The Colts, Costanzo just retired. The Bears, we talked about their tackle situation. The football team, um, you have the guy from LSU, I believe, Sadiq Charles was their starting left tackle. The Raiders had a fire sale on their whole offensive line. The Titans obviously have Isaiah Wilson situation. And the Steelers, I mean, one of where I'm sure we're going to talk about this with the Najee Harris thing coming up. One of the big reasons why I don't think they should take Najee is because their lack of, you know, not having an offensive, you know, a competent offensive line. Then you get even deeper with the Ravens, the Packers, the Bills, the Chiefs, and I guess even the Buccaneers, who kind of don't have a lot of needs, but always, you know, you always could use offensive linemen. So I just rattled off pretty much 10 teams, I think, from from starting at 17 with the Raiders. I didn't even include the Cardinals at 16. Um, 
But I just think the back half of the first round, you're gonna. There's a lot of team need for offensive line. Whether they do it or not, whether they think that the value is in the second round for them to do that, then that is where you're gonna lose the bet. I think. But the need is yeah. certainly there for many of these teams, where it's at least a primary, secondary, or like a tertiary need. Um, I'll, uh, and to add on, I'll throw sorry, some cold ahead. water on it. If and I, I, I think the bet's gonna hit. And it, like Lee was saying, I was the one who kind of was the catalyst and was saying I think eight or nine could go. Yep. But if you go by Daniel Jeremiah's mock draft, most recent mock draft, he has six. It was the five locks that uh, we mentioned and then Landon Dickerson going to uh, the Packers. And one of the reasons that I think maybe they're – and like Lee said, if he loses his bet, I think it's six. I completely agree um, with that line of thinking. And I think one reason maybe why not as many would go is because teams – because the class is pretty deep and there are a lot of guys to to be had, they may look at different positions like wide receiver or corner where they think, hey, maybe there's a bigger drop-off between the first-round guy and a guy that we could get in the second round than there would be with, you know, saying, all right, instead of um, instead of taking Darasaw here, I'll just take, you know, Eichenberg or Cosme or Jalen Mayfield or Ravens later on. And obviously those are all guys that could go uh, in the first round, but... I think those are just the conversation that all these teams are, are having, where it's like, especially if you're the team like the Bengals, right? We hear a lot of times the Bengals talk about taking Jamar Chase, and obviously I don't agree with that because I just think you should take the best offensive lineman available, which they'll have the opportunity to do uh, at five. But at the same time, you can take, I mean, you can take an offensive lineman in any other round, and they could just take one uh, in the second round, right? So it's just going to be those kinds of conversations that I think might dictate whether or not um, you you know this this hits seven taken, but I, I like we said earlier, all these teams. I mean, the Titans drafted a tackle in the first round last year, and he's not on the team anymore, so they still have a need there. The Jets could add add one at twenty three. I think the Jets should add an offensive lineman at twenty three. Their their offensive lineman is horrible. You have jo- you have George Fant starting. I yeah. think they should add an alignment at twenty three. I forgot about Steelers could add one at twenty four. The Jacksonville Jaguars could add an interior guy at twenty five. Uh, you know, you're looking at the Ravens potentially moving on from Orlando Brown if he doesn't want to play anymore. They could have they have a need there. You're and looking at never... the Packers who lost Corey Lindsley and um, uh, blanking on the name. I, are you talking um, about Belaga <laughs> from last year? Or yes, Wagner? yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> they never they, they really lost... replaced Belaga. I guess Ray yeah. Wagner was a replacement, but yeah, and he was horrible. He got killed by uh, Jack and, Barrett. And... So, so I, 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 I want to say I something. Think it'll happen, but I, yeah. I think that's how you lose it. Is if teams well, say also, the talent. Yeah, no, I think that's a good big. point. I wanted, I do want to say though, with the 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 teams that you kind of just mentioned and that Tommy mentioned, they have less of the luxury to pass on an offensive lineman because who knows? When you talk about the Bengals, sure, they've got the thirty eighth pick, the fifth pick yeah. in the second round. You very well could have a, a top end tackle available in the first 10, 12 picks of the second round. Now, when you talk about a team like the Steelers or when you talk about a team like the Packers, yeah. you're less likely to get that top-end guy at the end of the second Especially round. Especially if they pass on them. As like deep one as this 12. tackle class. Yeah. As deep as this tackle class is, I'm not. It, it doesn't go on for days. At a certain point, Jalen Mayfield and Jackson Carmen, whoever that ninth, 10th-ranked tackle is, is going to get taken, and there will be a drop-off as to how good the tackles are. So that's why I think that Tommy made a great point in those teams that in the latter part of the first round that really do need 
tackle help that don't really have the luxury of being like, hey, we're going to shelve this one because it's a deep tackle class because at a certain point it's not as deep as yeah, you think it is. Yeah, and something that I talked about I think on the last pod or maybe two pods ago was the biggest surprise for me at this draft is if the Chiefs are uh, sticking at 31 and they don't take an offensive lineman. So that's six right there. And Jeremiah mocked that. He, he mocked uh, – he mocked a, I think he mocked a corner. To yeah, which I guess mocked, like a corner from Kentucky. Yeah, I mean, Calvin Joseph. The, the the Chiefs certainly have needs uh, at certain places, but you got Martinez Rankin and Mike Remmers as your two starting tackles. Um, and I guess our my boy, I, maybe it was our boy, but I was a big Lucas Niang guy last year who they got in the third round. But still, I mean, not a lot of depth in the interior, despite adding Joe Tooney, Austin Blythe, and Kyle Long as well. And we saw just that kind of ended up being, you know, maybe this is a oversimplification, but it ended up being really like the linchpin in their, their loss. Well, I think, I think the Chiefs pick is such a tackle spot, especially after being the luxury pick of Clyde Edwards-Alaire last year. I, yeah. I think there's such a spot for a tackle. You got rid of Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz in one offseason. Like, yep. Lucas Niang can't play on both sides. Yep. So. Mm-hmm. Um, um, Lee, what was um, the, what were the other bets you? Put I guess what. We'll, so the second prop was uh, Patrick Sertain the third to be the first defensive player drafted in the 2021 draft, and he has the second uh, shortest odds behind Micah Parsons, who's at plus 110. I got Patrick Sertain at two to one odds, so plus 200, um, which I think is tremendous value. You know, there's a couple factors that go into why I think it's tremendous value. First and foremost, being that. Although I believe, I'll, I'll readily admit, hey, Micah Parsons very well may be the best defensive player in the draft. He also opted out this past season, and there are some concerns with him hazing in the locker room and doing some extremely weird and, uh, un, you know, I guess, draftable things that, that, that he, that from his time at Penn State. And that definitely makes it harder for me to believe that someone's just going to pull the trigger on this kid in the top 10, because that's essentially what we're talking about. 10, you know, nine, 10, 11, where that first defensive guy is going to get drafted. Um, and then when you look at Sertain, honestly, I think that the next most likely guy is probably JC Horn, who shares the position with Patrick Sertain and who I think very clearly is the consensus number two behind Patrick Sertain. So if you look at the odds for Sertain being the first cornerback drafted, it's somewhere around minus 300. But if you look at the odds for him being the first defensive player drafted, it's plus 200. So it's basically a face-off between Patrick Sertain and Micah Parsons, and only one of them has the character concerns. And, you know, then you take into the account the fact that the Atlanta Falcons are in desperate need of an of a alpha cornerback and maybe trading out of the fourth spot. And when you do, I don't want to get too far down the mental line of what could happen, but this is definitely a thought that went through my head where it's like, hey, if the Denver Broncos are, are trading up to get a quarterback and they leave the Atlanta Falcons with the number nine pick, that's Patrick Sertain territory all day. I see that as an absolutely realistic scenario. And if that is the case, he will be the first defensive player drafted. Um, and I just want to add to boot, like, I didn't m- make any of these bets, but the linebacker class, too, a lot of these books have Aziz Ojulari uh, considered a lineba- linebacker. So... Him and Jeremiah Owusu-Kamora have extremely long, long odds to be the first linebacker drafted behind Micah Parsons. It feels to me that Micah Parsons is priced as if there's no off-the-field issues. That's how it seems to me. It's, it feels like he's priced as if there's no asterisk next to his name, which there clearly is. So the fact that, to, in my mind, although I see Micah Parsons as a great player, I've seen great players like Reuben Foster is a good example, who's the clear best linebacker in the draft, 
drop all the way to the 20s or 30s. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I'm saying it's more realistic than these books are saying it is. And the fact that Patrick Sertain is so comfortable at that price of plus 200, I think Patrick Sertain should be plus 110 right there next to Micah Parsons. Um, and I think you're getting tremendous value on, on, a, on a player who, if I had to guess right now, I would have as the odds on favor to be the first defensive player drafted before Micah Parsons. Like because of the off the field stuff that I talked about. Yeah, I think Sertain so, too. Like yeah. he as a player has a pretty high floor, but then he also has like a pretty high ceiling. Uh, he's he's a guy who's been starting at Alabama right since he was a true freshman. Um, you know, great measurables, and then tested you know really really well. Bloodline yeah, too. And, and I think you know your competition. You're looking at guys like obviously you said J.C. Horn, Jalen Phillips could, could potentially go as as an edge. Um, yep. even, even, Hey, could he pay, right? Could he pay? Could, to, could potentially go, um, far as the more. first, def- yeah, far more would be something else, I think, but you're looking at, uh, could he pay guys like that? But I, I think certain could go as high as eight to the Panthers. Yeah. I, um, mm-hmm. just to hop in here, I was, or just... heck maybe the Falcons stick at four and they just take him. Like, I mean, yeah. that would be, that'd be, uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's out of the question. The... Is Sertain a better prospect than Okuda? Like, without mm. trying to be biased on Okuda's I'd rookie year? Yes. That's interesting. And Okuda was taken third last year by a team with arguably the most depleted roster in football. So, yeah, the I fact think, that Sertain could well, go and, fourth is not, And really know. the point I wanted to make, I was going to bring up Jalen Phillips and, and Quiddy Pay as well. Clep, you did a great job bringing those guys up. But it, it, the argument I was going to make, too, is positional value. Um, and corner and edge are just of much higher positional value than linebacker is, despite the fact that Micah Parsons... And guys like JOK are, are very versatile players who have a versatile skill set. I just think, and you know, and let's say that kind of clep how you were talking about just, uh, you know, potentially not being a de- defensive player taken until, you know, the, the Cowboys draft at 10. Like, let's say the, the Falcons stick and pick there and they take Kyle Pitts or they take another receiver and they're just fully investing in Art Smith and that offense and, and trying to give Matt Ryan all the tools that he needs to succeed. I mean, I guess unless this new report of Jerry's infatuation of Kyle Pitts, which I totally get, um, has some water to it. If he's gone, uh, I mean, the Cowboys just have to be a lock, I think, to take a corner or an edge player of some sort, just some player on the defensive side of the ball. So if it goes first, you know, if you're just basically making a bet on who the Cowboys are going to take at 10, I think they're much more likely to take a corner or an edge player than they are to take a linebacker. So Heck, man, the Bengals just lost William Jackson. I mean that's a pick you never see, but I'm just saying. They, I would, yeah, I would be shocked if they not only bypass an offensive lineman, but bypass receiver and potential Kyle Pitts too for for certain. But I mean, it is a need. I mean, but it's basically a need anywhere except for Miami. Like you can make an argument that the Lions should take a corner. You can make an argument. No. That the, yeah, you can. I mean, obviously, like you like Amani, which I get. But is certain is certain a better prospect than both? Akuda, Animani, or Awaria, yeah, and, and you know we. Yeah, saw but it's a sideways step. It's a sideways step. Yeah, I understand what you're saying, but uh, you know, like Denver, if they're not going to be in the quarterback, I mean, corner is arguably the most valuable well, position. Tommy, let's let's talk about let's talk about this defensive prop. Um, yeah, we were we were the I really like the under for defensive players in the first round. When I saw it, it was 14 and a half. I think that's that's still the case. That's the number, and. I would. I really think the first nine picks 
um, are all going to be offensive players. That's just kind of the way that the draft is, is somewhat trending. And the things you hear is this is generally a, a better offensive class than it is a defensive one. And the edge class, too, there's no one that's really super prominent or, or somebody that is a clear cut above the rest. You could say Jalen Phillips is a superior player to all the edges, but with his off-the-field concerns um, or in injury stuff, there's just there's just question marks there. So, Tommy, we were trying to talk about maybe locks, and then we yeah. can jump into obviously. But but let's, let's locks do this for, for defensive players. Who who do you think All is right. a first round lock? All right, Sertain, Horn, Locks. I think yeah. Phillips. I think Phillips goes in the first round. Yeah. I, I mean, I just I I'm going to call him a lock. He maybe he goes in the second round, but I think there's too no, much. No, I think he goes there. first round. He'll go uh, first round. Would he I pay agree too. So I think those are four locks. I think one more corner. I think Greg Newsom is probably who I would say is a first round lock, just because okay. with Farley, with the concerns with Farley and Samuel, even though I believe they're better players than than Newsom, I think Newsom is you know he's another high four player. Um, I guess three corners is what I'm trying to say. Mate, I think Parsons, Kamora, and Barmore are locks so for that's the first round. Eight right now, if my count is correct. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. You got to throw a safety Morgan. in there. I don't think you do. <laughs> that's the thing. Yeah. Like, even if you want, I mean, sure. Well we then, could, we could then we should talk about the under one under one half safety is plus yeah, two thirty. I, like I think I, I, so, I like that bet. Um, but let's throw. I mean, but again, there, then you kind of have to go into like these X. You know, like whether it's Morig, Asante, Samuel, or Carol. I think. Or I think. Um, I think uh, Ojulari goes first round too. Yes, I think Oway does too. For what it's worth, I think one of those guys. I mean, I think they probably both go first round. Because of the positional value of, of edge rusher and how many teams are looking for that kind of so we'll player. say we'll say for the edge rushers, Pay, Phillips, Owe, Ojolari. That's four, and then we have three corners. Three corners, do, so that's seven. Let's do four corners. Just why not? Okay. Try and beef up our numbers. Eight. Uh, I think four is fair because the line is at four and a half for cornerbacks. Okay. So four corners, four edge rushers, two linebackers. Yeah. I don't think Zayvon Collins is going to go in the first round. Maybe he will. Um, but I feel like the way that it's trending, I just, you know. You could say three linebackers because of Jamin Davis, right? Either Jamin yeah. Davis or Zayvon Collins goes. Yeah, let's do that. Barmore. And then Barmore. So, one more. so we're at 12. And then if you throw a safety in there, you're at 13. Yep, and then I mean, yeah. you can even throw in like an extra edge guy. Like, I, yeah. You know, Clap, I'm trying to pull on like this. Rousseau. Wow. Clap, yeah. Rousseau. Let's, let me, I mean. I mean, Rousseau could go, yeah. but like, I mean, you're, I don't know. I just, and then, and then like, like you said, though, Rousseau I, just think, like, 14, I just think there's so right? many more offensive locks than there are defensive ones. And, but then again, this goes back into the like lineman conversation too, because it's like these guys who we're saying aren't going to get taken, aren't going to get taken. Then offensive players are going to get taken. So it's like either those are going to be receivers mm-hmm. or linemen, or that's it. Like I guess there's a couple running backs you could talk about, but it's going to be receivers or linemen. For I, the most I part. mean, and I and I tend to think that the NFL values the depth at receiver year after year. We saw what happened in 2019 with, with Hollywood and, and Nikhil Harry being the only first-rounders going. Um, then last year, we obviously had the big, you know, CD, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, and, you know, and then you had this kind of next level of, of Jalen Rager, Justin Jefferson, Brandon Ayuk, 
Um, so I guess a lot of receivers went in the first round. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting. That's that's really interesting. And it also kind of is a hedge against your bet, Lee, too. Um, they both kind of hedge each other in a way, I think. Maybe not. Like, well, I think I think if, if I think if you hit the over on offensive linemen, you're absolutely hitting the under on defense. Yes. Yes. So I think they go yeah. hand in hand to how we kind of view the first round. Yeah. Which could be completely wrong. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Right, but but. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's split at fourteen and a half over and under both minus one fifteen on William Hill. Yeah, and I, it's really interesting too. Yeah, this gets me thinking about the receivers where I think – And that number just jumped, FYI. Receivers over 4.5 was minus 140 yesterday. It's minus 160. Today. Yeah. 4.5? And, and it's really – Under? Like what are the chances that a guy like – For over, it's minus 160. The under is plus 130. I'm going to pretend that Rashad – I Bateman would take the under. Lock. I don't know. I think that I think there's five receivers drafted in the sleep of this first round. Really? In their sleep. I really do because you have the you have an easy three uh-huh. by the time Philadelphia picks. Once I think once you get past, I don't know. I don't know. I have a hard. At least in the top fifteen, you have for it's sure have. Three. I think I think yeah. I think one of the receivers could get to to Arizona. I yeah. Think, I mean. I also think now that I'm looking through this, this is really interesting. Just because you guys went through the defensive linemen, this is not just edges. This is all defensive linemen. Over four and a half is minus one ten for all defensive linemen. I love linemen. that. So we're talking edges and Barmore. Aziz is a linebacker, though. <laughs> I think they are. Even I so, are. four and a half. So you need five. So you got Phillips, Pay, Barmore, um, Barmore. Owe, and Russo. Uh, I guess you're kind of bank, banking on Russo. Yeah, no, that's interesting. That's interesting because Aziz is, is is kind of the, the trump card yeah. there in a way. Just to bring it back to receivers real quick, I think it's hard. Uh, it's hard for me to see Rashad Bateman slipping out of the first round, even though that he's had you know he's he's smaller than he's been lying about his height and his weight for since high school pretty much. Um, you know, I still think he ran up. His tape is just too good, man. And I think that combined with him running a four four. Okay, but that's still only four receivers. Who's who's the fifth one that goes? Well, no, and then and then it just kind of comes down to, you know, Terrence Terrence Will Marshall, any other receiver the, to the, be taken. The Elijah Rondale Moore, Kadarius Tonys of the world, um, versus you know your boy Diami potentially. Um, and you think one of those guys sneaks into the back think, end of the first? Yeah, I don't. I don't think so. I don't. I mean, so then you're at four. I, I wouldn't want to bet on. And then that. I think, I and I even think there's a chance it's only three. No, there's it's for sure yeah. gonna be four, I think. I think if Rashad Bateman's on the clock in the in the latter part of the first round for a team like Baltimore or Green Bay, I would be I mean, I'm not saying they're not gonna do it, but that would be really misguided, I think, for them to pass up on, on a player like that. But then again, you know. Just for the sake of conversation, over five and a half quarterbacks is plus three fifty. I love that, man. Give me Davis Mills, Kellen Mond at 32. Like, da- Davis Mills, Kyle Trask, Kellen Mond, one of those guys will get drafted at the end of the first round. I mean, and, I don't know. I wouldn't play it. Well, I, this I, is wouldn't, something I wouldn't touch that. I think it has good value, yeah. though. For I mean, I guess it's, it's almost like you're banking on Tampa Bay to take a quarterback at 32. 
which you know maybe isn't the best. Or you're banking on a team to jump back in. Yeah. But who? Yep. But who would that team be if the vast majority of teams in the first part of the first round have secured their quarterback need? Denver? Yeah, but I think Denver, like, I think if Denver doesn't trade up with Atlanta. The Lions. Oh, man, if Detroit traded back in to to take Kellen Mond. Or, Tommy, you want to talk about Pittsburgh. Like, what if Pittsburgh just sits there and picks a quarterback? What if, you know, I don't know. I mean, you could see Ryan Pace pull yeah. something. Talking himself into yeah. Davis Mills. I think Davis Mills, the fact that he reminds me of Daniel Jones makes me feel like he's going to get drafted like way higher than we're thinking. Yeah. And that there's just less of like a consensus about it because Cut- Cutcliffe didn't coach him in college or something like that. I don't know. But he's like... Five-star. Pops Five-star off pedigree. The, the film as, as a dude who's just like a good quarterback. Yeah, and the only reason I don't have him ranked higher is because he left too early, and he like the, there wasn't. I was left wanting more in terms of just like pure production from the film. But at the same time, if he stayed one more year at Stanford and they go nine and four, and he has like a good year, he's a first round pick. Like he's for sure a first round pick, and Stanford went four and two in the COVID shortened season. I can't, I forget that. I know the Pac twelve wasn't great, but like Stanford really rallied back from having a really dismal year in twenty nineteen. And our insider Connor Ryan has has befriended a young man who I'm forgetting his name right now, but he uh, transferred from Stanford to Notre Dame. He's a running back. I think he's like a depth player on the football team, and they're golfing buddies. And this kid was saying. Connor told me this kid was saying Davis Mills is like the real deal. Like apparently he really elevated the scout team when when they were going up against the first team defense and he made it like a very competitive practice. And he said he was a lot better before his injury. I think Mills uh, blew his knee out, I think his freshman year. Um, but uh, hey, I mean, if this kid's saying was, it, I'm sure there's teams that probably know that, and and I think there's something there with Davis Mills that people was he really not the number about. one quarterback in 2017? He I was. think he might have been. I know he was I'm a five at it right star. Now. I know he was a five star, number one quarterback and number one player in the state of Georgia. So like, uh, which you know stands for yeah. something for a lot of these like NFL draft like that. That it screams Bears to me. What's the odds on that? To me, and they'd probably ruin him too. They'd probably ruin the kid. I mean, I'm much, I'm much more interested in a uh, uh, over five and a half at plus three twenty five right now. Because yeah, even if you get through the whole first round up until the Bucks pick, I still am like, all right, this is what it comes down to. Like, I I got plus three twenty five pretty much for the Bucks to take a quarterback. And you bring up a lot of good scenarios, Lee, with the Bears, and then Clep talking about teams trading back in Washington. I don't think Washington will do it just because of the way Rivera's gone about. I like, think Washington yeah. is kind of in a now. I think they're really going to try and win with Fitzpatrick, and they have Heineke yeah. as, you know. I would love Washington to take a quarterback, Clep, but I just don't yeah. think they're going to do it at 19. That's fair. I don't and think they And especially where they can add a tackle or, you know, a, talk about Rashad Bateman. Like, I would love to see Rashad Bateman, Terry McLaurin, and Curtis Samuel and or getting a left tackle for, mm. for Fitz. Um, and you know they didn't have some needs on defense too. I think Trayvon Moore would be like that's a nice fit for him. 
I know Cameron Curl played really well as a rookie. They need a, they need some linebackers too. Yeah. By the way, I'm just going to throw this out there. I, I talked about Sertain, first defensive player drafted. Jalen Phillips is plus 1,200. Yeah. That's 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 definitely worth a nibble. I think there's like a 35% chance Jalen Phillips will be the first defensive player yeah. drafted, which would equate to odds way closer to like 500. Yeah. And I also think, Lee, I don't know if you've um, talked about this on one of the pods, but the JOK plus 700 first linebacker taken. Yep. Yeah, I kind of grazed over that and didn't really – it just more goes into the Micah Parsons yeah. thing. If Parsons is going to drop, these teams that inevitably need linebackers – and, Tommy, you made the point yourself. Who's to say Vic Fangio in the scheme fit isn't better for Owusu Kamara in Denver? If they, if they well, and I also think if you're looking for like an, an off-ball linebacker who has a little bit more coverage upside, I think Parsons and, and, and JOK are just like different players in that way. And like I, if I'm looking for like a 4-3 off-ball linebacker – I would rather have JOK than Parsons because of his coverage up, upside and what you could do. I mean, he, I mean, he could play safety too, just like that positional versatility. I know Parsons has versatility as well. I just think Parsons is. An he animal. is. No, he's. I a, just think he's the best linebacker. He's, he's, in the draft. he's a freak. He's a freak. Um, I'll round the corner and, and give you guys my third play, and I, I'm, I'm sure this will probably get a little bit more dissent, but it's over on DraftKings. I picked up Najee Harris to be drafted before the 31st pick so under 30 and a half um at minus 112 you guys know it's no secret that i think Najee harris is far and gone the best running back in the draft class it's also no secret that i wanted to play a little action on Najee harris to be the first running back drafted um unfortunately those odds have moved from around minus 120 to minus 140 minus 150 um, so I just picked up Najee Harris being drafted essentially before the last two picks of the first round. I think there's plenty of teams out there that need a running back. I don't think, you know, it's some crazy Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey situation where this guy should be drafted top 10. But there's enough of a need for running back for teams drafting before 31 and a skill set there to warrant, I think, Najee Harris getting selected before the 31st pick especially if you put into consideration the fact that last year Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was the 32nd pick uh, in a draft where there was a little bit less need for running back in the picks before, and I believe that the talent level with Najee Harris is a little bit higher um, than it is with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. So for those factors, I thought that there's pretty good value on Najee Harris getting getting drafted uh, before the 30th pick just because we talked about the Patriots, and that's a little bit more unrealistic, but... I don't think it's that unrealistic that the Cardinals would pop off on Najee Harris. I think I, I think it's unrealistic, but I think that's where it starts to get like, okay, this is real. This is somewhat realistic. I can see this happening. Then you have teams like the Dolphins at 18, the Jets at 23, and the Steelers at 24, where there's going to be a gauntlet there. Where I think I, I just I have to believe at some point someone's going to pop off on on the best running back in the draft. Yeah, I don't I don't hate it. Yeah, I don't. I don't hate it either. I think it's a. I think it's a pretty good play. I would. I would be surprised if a running back doesn't go in the first round. Um, I guess the only thing you're kind of paying uh, a premium on is like Tampa Bay not being able to get Tampa Bay, in there. Like you're under thirty and a half, mm-hmm. and not under thirty two and a half. Um, but again, another you know, teams like the Jets trading up from the second round into the first round to go get Najee Harris. Um, I think that could be. You know, I think the only cold water available is, you know, 
how much of the NFL, if they're really going to buy into the running backs don't matter movement, and if Travis Etienne, if if Etienne yep. is the only like I wouldn't be shocked if Etienne's the only running back taken. Um, like if if the Cardinals take a running back, I would put money on it being Etienne over Najee, just because I think he's a little bit better of a of a scheme fit for what they're trying to do. I almost would be happy if Etienne got picked to the Cardinals. Because I think it would incentivize teams to be like, hey, I mean, they just took a running back at 16. We had Najee ranked higher. If we can get him at, you know, 24 or 22 or whatever, let's do that. Like, that's almost where I'd be like, wow, I'm glad I didn't get the odds on Najee being the first running back and I just got him under 30 and a half. Um, And then there's also the factor that, hey, what if the Cardinals just take Najee? You know? Um, So. I think there's value there if you know you have the access access to DraftKings with Najee Harris being uh, a top thirty pick in the draft. Good. I, I think those are some winners, baby. I did I too. Really, man. I, I, hope I, I right. might need to send you hit you guys with the Venmo for that under defensive players taken. Send it over to Lee. I'm not legal. Yeah. You're not, oh yeah, you're you're over in uh, on the East Coast. Yeah, I'm gonna have to do that with Lee. Um, very eerily reminiscent of. The one thousand dollars on Jeff Gladney under thirty two and a half, that that almost got wagered last year. It was it turned out to be a, a measly seventy five dollars or something like that. But we we got that by the ten, chin of our, our, uh, our, chin, our chin, chins. Yeah, chin yeah. of our teeth, whatever. I, did the did the Vikings trade teeth. back because they took Jeff or no? They had two first round picks they from had Buffalo. Two. Yeah, yeah. The one was was it Jordan Love or Ayuk? I forget. Yeah, I think it was Ayuk. Um. They had they took Jefferson and they traded back with the 49ers so they could take IU. Yeah, I uh, I really like that. I think I, that's my favorite one, that under defensive uh, defensive players. So, you boys fixing for some some win totals? It may have seen yeah, Tommy totals. give you give you the keys to the podcast and uh, just tell us what we're doing here. All right, so Lee and I went through and Klepp did too. Klepp missed I think the AFC one last year, but we all went through the win totals. Um, after the draft last year, uh, and and I think win totals is you know win totals is a great tool one because we like to we like to gamble around and throw some money around but it also just gives you kind of a where the market stands on these teams the Vegas a, a, you know the gambling market where do they, they stand on these on these various teams even before the draft which I think and I also think this is something I want to do after the draft or maybe even you know in July really or right before training camp starts where we have a little bit better picture of what these teams are going to look like in the fall. Um, but let's get a first, let's dip our toes in the win total and start with the AFC. And, um, you guys want to start at the top or you want to start at the bottom? You choose, Mr. Right, Facilitator. Let's start, at the bottom. let's start at the bottom, all right? We're going to start off with the Houston Texans. The, the lowly Houston Texans. We don't know what Deshaun Watson's status is for this upcoming season. That aside, this is a team who won four games, I believe, this past year, right? They were 4-12, uh, I believe. And they have mm-hmm. the lowest win total at the board at 4.5. Minus 125 to the over, plus 103 to the under. And I'll start this one off. I like an under here. I like an under here because I don't think Deshaun Watson is going to be playing football this year, at least for a, a vast majority of the season. I think he's going to get a lengthy sus- sus- uh, suspension. And the fact that I'm getting plus 103 to take under four and a half right now, I just, this team with Tyrod Taylor going forward, I just think this is going to be a disaster of a team. 
Um, Deshaun Watson played the best football of his career last year, and they only mustered four wins, and they got worse. So I just think that, you know, this is actually would be a team, a team total that I would be that I would play and I would have confidence in. Um, where do you guys stand on this Houston Texans four and a half? I think it's – I would lean under. The only thing I would push back with is, first of all, how strong is that division going to be? Is Houston going to be able to get, like, two cheap division wins because – Tennessee and Jacksonville and Indianapolis aren't necessarily like the best intra-divisional teams and you know there's room there for I guess Houston to eke out wins it is the NFL after all and then the other thing I would say is just like what are the odds on them just to have the worst record in the NFL and why is that not a better bet Um, because I'm assuming if they're going to win under five games they're probably going to be having the worst record in the league or at least be in contention to have the worst record in the league but yeah tommy like you said i mean i would definitely lean under as well even with the extra game this year yeah to take into account um i think you make a good point of deshaun watson's not going to be playing their best receiver in my opinion and will fuller is gone their leader in the locker room and jj watt is gone this is a depleted football team it doesn't really seem to me like david cully is any better of a coach than romeo Cornell. And uh, there's just really not a lot to like about this Houston Texas team. They don't have a pick in the first two rounds. It just seems like they're pretty much in the cellar uh, of the NFL. Yeah, it's just like with the with the Texans, it's not only are they a bad roster, but there's just bad energy around the whole thing. So, yeah. um, who knows? Yeah, maybe think... maybe from that resiliency is born. But yeah, well, that's yeah, that's what I was about to say. Because it's a, it's it's interesting because it's like you look look at a team like the Lions where the roster is probably equally as bad, but we just have such a better feeling about the direction of the organization. Yeah. Um, so all right, and I mean, yeah, and I, yeah, I was just gonna say I don't think David Culley is gonna have a Brian Flores esque you know impact on the team, but maybe maybe he does because this this Texans team on paper right now with Tyrod Taylor starting a quarterback looks like they're gonna be. They might be one of the worst teams of all time. Uh, not, I hope that's not too strong. Um, let's move on up on to Cincinnati. Cincinnati, the Bengals. Joe Burrow coming back first full year. We don't know what they're going to be doing at the number five. Klepp's former child. <laughs> yeah, this was. Klepp. I had over what? Over five and a half. Over four. And I think a half. it was five and I think it was five and a half, if I remember correctly, and pretty much I guess the same now in a 17-game season. The Bengals are sitting at six and a half. Minus one ten both ways over and under. Klepp, do you want to start this one off as as yeah, a resident of the, the seventeen game thing is is throwing me off. Uh, this seems high, just because I didn't. Th- the Bengals had a pretty bad free agency. I mean, the defense wasn't great last year, and then you just lost Carl Lawson and uh, William Jackson, who were your probably your excuse me your two best players uh, on defense. I don't yet know. Jesse Bates. Yeah, okay, I forgot about Jesse Bates. But I don't yet know what they're doing in the draft. Um, if they go tackle guard, I'd love to see it. Would love to see tackle guard be their first and second round combination. Uh, I'll feel better about the Bengals. But uh, until then, I'm, I'm, I'm sticking with under. 7 and 10 just seems like a lot Yeah. for a team that's picking 5. Yeah. Way too many question marks here to, to be confident, honestly, either way. I would definitely lean under, but huge question mark at coach. Uh, sizable question mark at quarterback with how Joe Burrow is going to return from injury. Big question mark in what they're going to do in the draft. And then obviously, like Klepp said, losing that ta- the top-end talent they had on defense. I know they signed, what's his name, Hendrickson and uh, 
they, they made some moves, but I still – the only thing I would say they have going in their favor is that the Steelers are probably going to be a little bit worse, and I guess the Ravens' teeth aren't as sharp as they were a couple of years ago. Um, but other than that, man, I, I don't know. I would definitely stay away from this one, but probably lean under if I had to choose. Yeah, you guys summed it up pretty perfectly. I guess I would lean over. It's a stay away from me, but I would lean over just because I think that, Lee, you kind of touched on it with Pittsburgh and Baltimore, I think being a little little worse. Um, I just think if Burrow's healthy for a full season, I think they're going to be they're going to win some games they're not supposed to. Um, and, you know. He could be the best QB in the division if he's healthy for a full year. Like, oh, that's I think, a, that's he, I think he is a 100%. If he's healthy for the full year, I think he is yeah. the best quarterback in the division. I think the biggest X factor, Lee, you brought it up, is Zach Taylor. Um, I think, you know, where, what are we going to see from, you know, this organization and really this offense? You know, whether they go tackle guard like Klepp wants or they go, you know, Jamar Chase, Alex Leatherwood or something like that. I just think there is a high ceiling, especially with Mixon hopefully being back and being healthy and adding to the weapons they already have. Um so I would lean, I would lean over, but like you guys, I'm not, I'm not touching this one. I don't have nearly the same confidence I do in the Houston Texans. Let's move over to the state that Klepp is in, New York State. The New York Jets, six and a half is the line, much like the Bengals, plus one twenty-three to the under, minus one fifty to the under. We just had a resounding under, under I believe, well, come from Klepp. That tells you all you need to know. The the under is minus yeah. one fifty. So. Obviously, that's too heavy to, to and, bet and on. I, I want to yeah, say, like, I'm obviously, not, I, I don't really believe that much in Zach Wilson. But even if Zach Wilson is, like, good, this roster is still pretty horrible. So, Well, put Joe Burrow on the Jets. I'd still bet the under. Like, uh, the Jets are a bad football team. Um, it remains to be seen if Robert Sala is a head coach or a coordinator. I'm not just going to attribute the fact that he's going to be a good head coach because it seems like he'd be a good head coach to him. Um, and... I think they lack the weapons on offense and the talent on defense to really compete in that division. I think they're clearly the worst team in that division, regardless of who they draft. Um, and I, I definitely would lean towards the under. But the, the book tells you it's leaning towards the under itself. So not much to really you know talk about there, I guess. Yeah, I'll, I'll do a little devil's uh, advocate routine. Just I think they do have a high upside with Zach Wilson and with the coaching staff too, I think. Much, you know, much unlike what we talked about in Houston and Cincinnati, I think Robert Sala, even though I haven't seen him coach yet, I think is going to give them that that will and that compete and that high, you know, they're going to play hard, much like we saw the Giants do for Joe Judge last year. And the Jets could, you know, win some games that they're not supposed to be. But even being the Zach Wilson, you know, the highest guy in Zach Wilson out of us three, I still think it's just going to take a lot of those factors combining together, even and you know, Clep, you mentioned their roster, just not very good roster. I just, I think it's going to be hard for them to get seven wins um, this year. And we talked about the division. All of a sudden, that division, you know, Miami's in a position to be looking really good. With if Tua can take that next step, the Patriots, I think, are going to offer a high floor. And the Bills, you know, even if Josh Allen does regress, which I think we all kind of think he, he probably will, they still have a really nice structure around him with Diggs and Beasley. And a defense that, you know, has been good and a really good coaching structure. So I'm going to lean under with you guys as well. Um, and let's move down to Jacksonville, number one pick. The Jags set at six and a half as well, minus 110 both ways. Um, I guess I'll start this off because I've talked about my my little brainchild, my, my uh, division prop brainchild in Indianapolis and Jacksonville. Um, and I, I think I'm going to take it over here with Jacksonville. We talked about the, the 
the AFC South and what we talked about in Houston, really previewing them. Um, and I think Jacksonville could be a team that, you know, has a little spark. I really like what they did this offseason. I think they made some nice little patchwork moves and also bringing in a guy like Marvin Jones to pair with DJ Chark and um, LaVisca Chenault. And then obviously bringing in Trevor Lawrence with James Robinson, Urban Meyer. I mean, there are some unknowns here, but I do kind of, I am enticed by the upside of this team in a really poor division. Um, and I think, you know, Lawrence is obviously going to take his licks as a rookie, but I do think that, uh, you know, I don't know how much better the Tennessee Titans are than the Jacksonville Jaguars right now. I know they're more of a known commodity, but I think the Jaguars for sure offer a higher ceiling. I don't think the Titans' defense is really too much to write home about. I think both of these teams are kind of similar. So I'm going to lean over here with the Jaguars. Curious to see what you boys think. My favorite play so far, over, easy, easy over. I think Urban Meyer's just a winning coach, first of all. That's something that needs to be said. I think this team has the best offense in the division once you draft Trevor Lawrence. I think you have the best receivers. I think you have a really good running back. I think you're going to build, continue to build along the offensive line. You went out and signed uh, Shaquille Griffin, the cornerback, so you figured you solved that. You got that boy C.J. Henderson, Klepp's boy, at the other cornerback spot. You got two solid corners. Um, you still got some dogs on defense. Obviously, I don't want to overrate them too much, but you very well could be getting the best quarterback in the division with Trevor Lawrence year one. Like That's not something that's out of the realm of possibility. Carson Wentz is coming off his worst season in his career, and Ryan Tannehill is, to, in my eyes, above average. He's nothing more than above average. So I think this is a great opportunity to get on Jacksonville. Even if they're not like that great, they're in the worst division in football, arguably. They get to play the Texans twice in a year. And all they need to do is win seven games, which is basically like I think what the expectation should be in Jacksonville. I think if you're picking in the top six, top ten next year even, that's kind of a problem. I think you, you really need to show some progression year one. Uh, Urban Meyer didn't take this job because it was a rebuild. He took this job because he wants to win a Super Bowl in his first five years. And I think that in order to do that, um, they kind of need to take a big step year one. So I'm, I'm, in a, I'm all in on Jacksonville. Uh, I think they win eight or nine games. Or top maybe 50 you guys are talking. Yeah, maybe you guys are talking me into it. I don't know. I was just leaning under just simply because this team went one in fifteen last year. Um, that's a pretty big jump to make. Played close games, yeah. though. Played a lot of close games. I don't know. I, I, they're a team to me <laughs> that uh, I would look to the draft to see what they did before kind of making that decision. Not that you know you should depend on your rookies to to get you a couple extra wins, but. Um, I, th- I think they need to get a little stronger on the defensive line, uh, especially up the middle. I'm not totally sold on, on I mean, Chasen, I don't, I don't like a lot. And Henderson had his moments last year, but that's not a, a first year thing. I don't know. I, I'm not, I, I could go either way on that one. Yeah. Looks like, looks like Lee and I have some nice leans in the AFC South, baby. Um, let's move over to Las Vegas. Seven and a half, Under. minus one ten, both ways. Klepp, you're very confident. Let's let's hear it. I wanted to say under before you said the line. Uh, I don't know if it, I, I might just edit it to come out that way. I, I'm so out on the Raiders. <laughs> I'm so out on them. Yeah, I don't know, man. I kind of want to pass on this one because I don't want to talk bad about Gruden because I love John Gruden and I've been like pounding my fists on the table for the Raiders being something that they're not for three years. And last year was kind of the year where I really thought they had it. Even after that Tampa Bay loss, I was like, okay, 
They got through the hard chunk of their schedule. Now they just need to take advantage of the rest of their schedule. They went and beat Cleveland, and then they lost that absolute dud to the Atlanta Falcons. And from there on out, they it barely was beat like, the Jets. You need the My, you need the Hail Mary to beat the Jets. No? They you yeah. lost to Miami. Fitzpatrick yeah. coming in and winning that game. I just think this is a team that is in absolute disarray. We saw the roster kind of blow up this offseason. A lot of veteran leadership lost along that offensive line. Um, signing Kenyon Drake, making some head-scratching moves. So, yeah, I would definitely lean under. This division isn't getting any worse, I don't think. So uh, with, with Herbert and the likes of Justin Herbert in, in L.A. and possibly Denver getting a quarterback in the draft this year to replace Drew Locke. Um, so, yeah, I, I think the Raiders have kind of been hung out to dry a little bit. Um, so yeah, I would lean under. Yeah, guys, I would lean under too, but as someone who was hating on the Raiders last year, um, they do, I mean, Derek Carr kind of is preventing them from like really reaching the cellar, I think. I think Derek Carr has... Yeah, but if he doesn't have a good O-line, I think you'll see that. Yeah, that's... I also would say they've got some young talent that if they take the necessary step this year to like reaching their potential, they could absolutely overperform where it's like... If Rugg starts playing like the top-tier pick that he was, if Brian Edwards comes in and contributes, if guys like Damon Arnett and Trayvon Mullen step up and, and like are good corners, they could end up being a team you really don't want to play on a week-to-week basis. But as everything looks right now, it just seems like there's too many moving pieces and too many you know, negatives to really believe that that's all going to happen. It seems like wishful thinking. Yeah, I, I, you know, yeah, I'm more convinced on this under too because I just think like, what is the Raiders ceiling? Like best case scenario, you know, I want to say like eight, maybe nine wins, maybe it's ten, maybe like ten wins is their best case scenario. But I have a hard time seeing this defense really improving. And then Clep, you made a great point about the offensive line, like how much, how much did their top five offensive line and the prowess of that offensive line contribute to Derek Carr? being, you know, an above-average quarterback for the past couple years. Um, So definitely an interesting one. I think we're all leaning under there. Let's stay in the division. The Denver Broncos, same line, 7.5, minus 110 both ways. I'll start it off here because I've had a big crush on the Broncos this offseason. I'm going to go with an over here. Um, And and a lot of this has to do with me assuming that they're going to upgrade at the quarterback position in, in one way or the other. Um, and, and that could come back to bite me in the butt. But I think this is the second-best team in the division, and maybe that's a preview of where I, my head will be at when we get to the Chargers. But I just really think that this team has a high floor, even with Drew Locke. I mean, again, with Drew Locke, if, if, I, if Drew Locke is a starter for 2021, it's going to be hard for me to like really be bullish on this over. But I do think that they have all the pieces in place to really be a good football team. I think they have a top-10 defense. I think they have a top five, you know, offensive core. I think they're a season away from joining the Tampa, the Minnesota, the Dallas, you know, the Kansas City of the world when you talk about, like, who has the best offensive arsenal in, um, in the NFL. So I just think there's a lot of upside here. I think Fangio presents a high floor. I think they kind of even overperformed last year a little bit. Um, it just really just hinges on them being able to get a quarterback. And I think if they're able to do that, this should be an eight-win team. Um, this is a this is a void for me. I'm sure as heck not betting on Drew yeah. Locke to do anything of significance in the NFL. Like, and as of right now, the Denver Broncos are late to the party when it comes to replacing yeah. their quarterback. They have failed. Like, they have not done good enough to replace the quarterback. Now they can pull a rabbit out of their hat last minute and over trade for Atlanta to get the fourth pick to get whatever dregs are left of like the quarterback rankings. Hope hopefully they have someone. Highly rated. That's going to be left. Like hopefully they like Trey Lance or Justin Fields or whoever's going to be available there. 
But as of right now, I think Drew Locke's probably going to be the starting quarterback for the Denver Broncos. And for that reason, I probably would lean towards the under. But, Tommy, I mean, you make some great points. I love what Vic Fangio has done. I think he's overperformed as a coach. I think he should have, like, kind of a lifetime contract there. Like, I just think he's a good coach. I think that they're going to continue to be really competitive, especially on the defensive side of the football, as long as he's there. Really like the signing of Ronald Darby. Obviously, they got some dogs on defense. Even if they don't get a quarterback and they get another dog on defense, that'd be awesome. But at the end of the day, man, I think that the quarterback position is going to limit this team. And like I just said about the Raiders, this division is not getting any worse. Um, so for that reason, I, I would stay away from Yeah, that. Lee, Lee pretty much summed it up for me. Is there any of Mac Jones, Trey Lance, Justin Fields? Um, obviously, I think we're all the highest. You know, Justin Fields is where be a common point of, of being high on a player for us. But would that do I think all those this? guys would be improvements. Yeah. Um, I think it'd be awesome if they got Fields, man. I think it'd be awesome, and I would completely change my tune about okay. this team. What about Mac Jones? What about completely. if Mac Jones is starting quarterback week one? I think it'd be less awesome, but I'd still would you take? My tune do you think you'd take over seven and a half if you knew that Mac Jones was going to be the starting quarterback? Okay. Yes. So if they acquire yep. a quarterback, because you're obviously higher on Lance and, and Fields and Jones, but like them upgrading at quarterback in any way out of those three. Well, I guess I wouldn't say – I shouldn't say it like that. Like I would take it in the situation where you're asking me would I take it. I don't know if I'd go to the window and like bet that Broncos would be more over. of a lean. Like I don't know if I would be – yeah, I'd be more of a lean. I'd, I'd, I'd be quicker to, to bet the Jags still um, or like a couple other teams that I probably might like more. Just because the division's so hard and there is that big question mark, even if it is Fields, like he's yeah. still a rookie quarterback in that division. You know, what we saw from Herbert last year was kind of an anomaly. I don't think you're going to see another rookie quarterback come in and like put up those numbers for for a little while. So I still think there's going to be that transition period, um, like there is at every level of football, from high school to college, from college to pro, where the rookie isn't necessarily settled in, especially until later in the season. So I'm not. I wouldn't be in a huge rush. I still think it might take a year or two for them to really become. The, the power that they that they could be with a quarterback. Yeah, uh, tough to disagree there. Let's let's stay in the division. Let's skip over uh, a team and stay in the division. Let's go to the Chargers. They're sitting at nine, nine. They're putting nine on the board for the Chargers. Over is plus one hundred three. Under is minus one twenty five. Um, I'll kick this one off. I like this under, man. Um, I like this under just because I think while I really like what they've done this off season, especially addressing the offensive line and me assuming that they're going to get a left tackle um, of the future. And I really like their defense. I just am leaning this under because I believe that Justin Herbert is going to regress. And because of that, I just want to take some Chargers under. I want to fade, I want to fade this, this team a little bit. Um, you know, it isn't a strong lean. I, this is, you know, I definitely like the, the Texans and the Jags much more than, than this Chargers play, but... I just think that, you know, I want I just want another full season of Justin Herbert, you know, performing at the level that he did last year for me to really uh, you know, anoint him. Um I know this is something that uh the, the, the guys over at PFF are big on, but a lot of what made Justin Herbert successful last year was not very stable stuff in terms of like throwing under prof- pressure and, you know, making all the plays that he did are not things that you usually would see remain constant from year to year. So because of that and also with, you know, potentially fans in the, in the building, just his life becoming harder, I just want to see another year out of Herbert um, in a really tough division. You know, I just don't think that 
the Chargers are one and a half wins better than the Broncos and the Raiders right now. So that's kind of my reasoning. I think if they had hired like yeah, the enemy or Dabble, I'd feel a lot better about the over um, as yeah. well. And the Chargers always find a way to, to mess things up. So, Yeah. Yeah, I lean under. I think that the loss of uh, Shane Steichen, the offensive coordinator, and Pep Hamilton, the passing game coordinator, is going to be Where's a Pep? really big hit for Justin Herbert. Uh, he got hired back. The Houston. Texans or the college? Oh. Uh, the Texans. He, he, I think he's the Texans' like pass game coordinator. Maybe he got promoted. But I, I think that they a lot of what those guys did, and Shane Steichen, obviously the offensive coordinator now in Philly, I think a lot of what the, the Chargers' offensive success and Herbert's success came from those two offensive minds. I think those are two young, bright offensive minds. Um, and I think that they're going to probably take a hit because of that. But, I mean, hey, man, healthy Austin Eckler, a healthy Derwin James, this team very well could be in the play. They should be in that 9-10 win mix. So I wouldn't be rushing to bet this one. But if I had to bet it right now, I would agree with the book that the under should be the favorite. Let's go back down to 8.5 and, and a line that I've been wanting to get at since February. Pittsburgh Steelers, it's at 8.5, minus 125 to the over, plus 103 to the under. This is a good line, man. This is a good line, but I still got to go with the under, man. I still got to go with the under. I just have to trust my read and believe that the Steelers are doomed for regression, mainly coming from their offensive line regressing no matter what they do in the draft. I just think it's going to be hard for them to replace that production. And Ben Roethlisberger regressing, continuing to regress. We've, I think we've been pretty vocal the past two years, uh, ever since Roethlisberger had his big year, whatever it was, but that he's been... He's been really bad. He was bad before he got injured. He was bad last year, really, I think. When you kind of contextualize everything and, and look through his play, the guy was getting the ball out of his hands in two seconds. Like, that's not going to be able to – he's not going to be able to do that again, I think, with – or at least he's not going to have the same amount of time with their offensive line being in the state that I projected to be in. The only thing that scares me um, is Mike Tomlin, man, and just the floor that he gives his team and how hard that this team is going to play for them. I know this defense is going to be – a tough defense and a, t- a defense that's going to come ready to play every single every single day and every single game. But ultimately, I'm going to go with the under here. It's plus money at 8.5. I think both the Browns and the Ravens are better teams than the Steelers right now. I think they're inching closer to Cincinnati than the other two. So I'm going to continue to fade the Steelers here and, and rip this under at uh, 8.5 plus 103. Yeah, there's no way I'd be comfortable taking this under. And I'm not, I like agree with a lot of what you said, but the Steelers are just still too much of a blue blood for me to say that they're not going to win more than eight games in an extended season. Like, how many times has this team won under eight games since Mike Tom has been the coach? And I know Ben Roethlisberger's old, but you're getting Devin Bush back. The defense is still extremely good. I agree probably that Cleveland and Baltimore are better, but I think it's kind of marginal. Like, I don't think Baltimore and Cleveland are going to, like, run Pittsburgh out of the stadium. Like, I think Pittsburgh very well is going to win three or four games in the division, like they always do, and they're going to be really hard to beat out of division, like, especially when you're going to Pittsburgh to play them. Um, So, yeah, for that reason, I I believe they're probably going to draft well because usually they do. Um, I think Chase Claypool's a stud. I like that they retain Juju. I still think they have weapons, and like I said, I still think the defense is really good and the coaching is really good. So I, I have a lot of trouble, like just saying that the Steelers are gonna are gonna go, you know, under five hundred in the in the extended season this year. I I, I kind of don't see it happening, well, but I definitely would stay you, away. You, okay, you're not enticed by minus one twenty five. I would the say I'm not I'm not in love with the over either because if Ben is like kaput, which he very well could be, and even like gets hurt or something, which I think is more possible than your average quarterback. 
Uh, they're yeah, I mean, and, and Lee and I so, kind of have some Steelers yeah. supporters and just kind of see this team not heading in the right direction uh, objectively. They've just done weird things where in the past when Roethlisberger was still pretty effective in his in his later seasons, they were drafting quarterbacks in the middle rounds and, and not actual position players. And now all of a sudden they're trying to push mm-hmm. all their chips to the middle when he clearly played some of the worst football of his, his career last season down the stretch. Um, so... Uh, I just think it's – I would lean under with you, Tommy. But, again, like Lee was saying, it's the Steelers. I'm not going to jump aboard the ship. I mean, hey, when, when Roethlisberger was out, they still won. I think they went 8-8 eight and eight with Duck Hodges and, and Mason Rudolph. Yeah. No, good point. Good point. Mike Tomlin, Mike, Mike Tomlin might get fired if they – this the way that that fan base reacts and the way that the conversation around Mike Tomlin has been for so long – he might get fired. Dan Campbell can go seventeen and zero. I'd still can his ass for Mike Tomlin if we got. I dude, my, I mean Mike Tomlin would be, friggin' Michigan should hire him if he if he's available. But wow, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think I think Mike Tomlin is a great coach. I would never fire him. Another guy who I think should have a lifetime contract if he wants it. But uh, but yeah, I think that the expectations in that building are so high that they would scoff at seeing something like eight and a half as their win total. You know. All right, let's go down to South Beach, Miami Dolphins. The Lions. under. I was about clap. I was really about to tee it up for you. All right, man, you got it. You really you got the producer, and you really needs to restrain yourself. Miami Dolphins have a big number nine minus one twenty one to the over, oh, even to the under. under. Oh my God, clap. Wax wax poetic. Clap. Get after it. Tank this thing, man. I just it's it's an under all the way. Um, I think. The the reason why it would go over, I guess, is that the defense would still stay strong uh, into this year, which I think is possible. But as we've seen in the past, um, defenses can tend to tend to regress after great seasons uh, like the Dolphins' defense had um, last year. I just, again, I, I sound like a broken record this offseason. I really just didn't see anything from Tua uh, in his first season that makes me believe that. Uh, he's the type of quarterback not only that you should invest your franchise in, but that wins you games. I mean, you're bringing in Ryan Fitzpatrick as your closer. It's just it's it's pretty ridiculous. Um, I just think he's kind of underwhelming. He's short, doesn't have great arm strength, isn't overly athletic, and is a deer in headlights in the pocket. So um, even if he takes a step forward this year, I'm not even sure how big that step is. Um, it'll be a tougher schedule uh, after finishing second in the division last year i i just think this is such a, a look for the for the under and especially too I, I just don't trust their drafting philosophy after what they did last year um it will be it'll be interesting to see again they have a lot of picks again this year but um i just i don't believe in this dolphins team i think i think the second the patriots get a you know better quarterback i mean heck man i, I think the patriots could be better than the dolphins this year with cam newton so I was just going to say that, man. I, I am not even close to admitting that the Dolphins are the second-best team in this division yet. I need to see another year of them being as good or better, better than they were last year. Um, I think the Patriots team last year was a dud, and the wheels kind of came off. They had all those guys opt out with COVID and stuff. Obviously spent a ton of money in the free agency. I'm, I'm, I'm on this under with Clep. I'm, I'm not ready to admit the Dolphins are all of a sudden, you know, because they've got a really good coach and their defense rallies to the football, that they're, you know, this team that's going to be a perennial playoff contender. I'm not there yet. Tua still needs to prove himself. 
I don't know if I'm as low on him as Klepp is, but I definitely am closer to where Klepp's at than I am to where you're at, Tommy. And I just think this Miami team has a little bit more to prove than uh, than that nine may say. Yeah, guys, I, I I mean I agree with you pretty much. Like, uh, there's no way that I'm going to lay minus one twenty three to to take an or minus one twenty one to take an over on Miami at nine. Um, the under I think is definitely where the value is. Um, I think yeah, the de- the defense probably will regress a little bit, but I think they they have a great roster defensively, and I think Flores coaches those guys up. And then offensively, I think if they can get their offensive line in a little bit better shape, I think they're. I mean, two is going to have all the tools in front of them too. For them to have an explosive offense, if he's anything like he was coming out of of Alabama, um, I think if you kind of look at last year, shortened off season, young kid coming off a catastrophic injury, I mean especially a hip injury. The, the Dolphins fired their offensive coordinator from last year. And now we're rolling with co-offensive coordinators for for 2021. Yeah, it's a it's it's a, it's a, a recipe for disaster. Does not make a lot of sense. I think it just kind of it, to me it comes down to Tua. Um, I've lost, you know, I don't, I definitely don't think. I definitely don't see the high end as much with Tua as I did definitely if we were to go back a year from now and I saw him potentially having a, a Russell Wilson type you know, play style. I, I don't think he's that type of player, but I do think that he, if you put the tools around him, much like he did at Alabama, I think he can be successful and you can have a successful offense. Um, and you know, this year I think is a cliff year for Tua. I think we'd all agree on that. So I think um, this year is going to be huge and integral, and, and I would lean with you guys, despite all I just said. I would lean to the under just because I think the Patriots and the Bills are just better teams right now. And uh, speaking of New England, let's let's go to them. They're also at line at 9, minus 143 to the over, plus 118 to the under. That's a push to me. Yeah, this is, this is a push to me too. I think this is kind of a stay away. I think if I had to bet it, I probably would take the under just because um, – you know, like I think, although they're better on paper this year, like Cam, I mean, a lot of it just comes down to Cam. Um, I think their defense should be fine. Uh, they probably should go over this or at least push, but there's no way I'm laying minus 143 for the Patriots to have 10 wins. Yeah, I'd rather take a piece of them winning that division than lay that type of juice yeah. on the over. So, yeah, I mean, I would lean over, but there's no reality where I would lay that juice. I'd be way quicker, like I said, to take take a divisional prop at like plus 400 or whatever it may be for them to win the division. All right, moving on. Cleveland Browns, uh, my favorite to win the AFC North at nine and a half, minus 150 to the over, uh, plus 123 to the under. I'm expecting you boys to be all over this under, or am I am I wrong here? I think to me it's a stay away because I'm not going to lay minus 150 for the Cleveland to go over nine and a half, but... I definitely do think I will be taking a piece of them to win the AFC North at plus 175, whatever whatever it is, plus anywhere from plus 130 to plus 175. Um, curious to see what you guys think about this number. Yeah, this isn't your grandfather's Cleveland Browns anymore. I mean, I don't know. I I was not as impressed by them last year as like your average person was. Like, they had I a weak schedule. Good. I didn't think – I don't think – I mean, they, they took care of business. I don't think they're but, like, oh, yeah. like – yeah, like, I don't know. The Raiders went into Cleveland on that rainy day and won that game. That was kind of really unimpressive. I know it was the weather conditions were bad, but, like, I'm not, like, in love with Cleveland. I think that there was a little bit of, like, romance there just because Stefanski was so good in his first year as a head coach. Um, another one that I would lean under probably just because of the, di- the difficulty of the division, the likelihood that the wheels might come off with Baker at any given time. I, again, if they keep Odell to – how that's going to affect the locker room and the in the win loss get uh, record, um, but again another one that 
I'm not going to the window to bet uh, any win-loss totals on the Cleveland Browns anytime soon. I like what they're building. Like I, like I agree. I think they're a solid I think team. That this is the best iteration of the Browns I've ever seen. I think. So I mean, like I think they're. I'm not going to like be in a rush to fade the them. Dolphins. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. You guys, yeah. do you think I think you're going to have any interest in in laying them to win the AFC North at a plus number? No. Nah. Let's move on to another one of my fade darlings, the Tennessee Titans. The number is 9.5, plus 123 to the over, minus 150 to the under. I mean, obviously you guys know me. This is an under look. Um, I don't like laying minus 150, but I probably would on Tennessee. More so, I'd like to just sell this down to like a 9 or even 8.5. I would love to take an under 9 at you know minus 120 or minus 110, whatever it is. Um, yeah, I mean, you Tommy, know. you talk about their defense, I think – you look at their offense too, just with all the turnover, with Corey Davis leading, leaving Johnny Smith leading, and of course Arthur Smith leaving. Um, I just think there's a lot of turnover on off, on the offensive side as well. Um, I do think Mike Vrabel is one of the best coaches in the NFL. So again, I think you're kind of playing with fire with with the Titans and the Steelers. I mean, you're you're fading kind of the the roster, but maybe not taking into account kind of who's 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 driving the boat there, but. Um, I definitely would, would kind of lean under with you. But again, too, like we've talked about the AFC South being a, a bad division. Hey, if Carson Wentz continues to struggle and Trevor Lawrence isn't exactly lighting it up as a rookie or the, the Jags are still just not quite there roster-wise, and then obviously we said all we need to say about the Texans, the, the, the Titans are the most proven commodities in that division by far. So, Yeah. I don't know, man. Betting against the Titans is like kind of a bad move the past like decade or like five years, just because they're they always seem to find a way to get into that playoff conversation when it's necess- when it's like time to do that. Um, I would agree that I would definitely lean under, but I'm not in a rush to take this uh, to take this prop because of the weakness of the division and because of just the tendency this team has to. I'm, I'm spacing. What happened to them in the playoffs they lost to last Baltimore. year? They lost. Oh yeah, that's right. They played a close game with Baltimore. Yeah, I mean this team is just in the playoffs. Yeah, like let me. Year. Well, so I, I don't know. You know, I understand that the Wilson pick was a dud. I understand that Corey Davis and Jonu Smith are gone, but like AJ Brown is going to be back healthy, who's way better than Corey Davis and Jonu Smith, and I think that those guys are obviously good, but like. They're more replaceable than maybe the number that you, you just gave out in tens that they are. Like, if the Titans turn around and have, like, a pretty good draft, I can see them being a very similar team to the to what they were last year. I still think they've got a pretty good defense. What happens? Obviously, they the, got a really the, good coach. The, so, The thing for me, man, is is Arthur Smith. I'm, I'm a big Arthur Smith guy, man. I, I was... I remember like two years ago, whatever it was, whenever he got hired to be the offensive coordinator, I was like, oh, this guy, like, I know, I mean, he's the heir to FedEx. Like, he, he, there was a lot of things about him that I just didn't, you know, I was like, oh, this guy kind of like, he should, probably shouldn't be a good offensive coordinator. And the Tennessee Titans have had a great offense for the past two years. Um, so really, it starts with me where I think, I'm gonna, I think you're going to see major offensive regression uh, and defensive regression. Clef mentioned the defense. They've lost a lot of pieces on defense. I'd like to think that Vrabel, I believe in Mike Vrabel. I don't think he's an elite NFL coach, but I think he's a good NFL coach. And I think the, the defense will play up. But I do think that 
as good as A.J. Brown is, and I think he is an unbelievable, you know, upper echelon receiver in the NFL and is well on his way to being one of the league's best, there's just not a lot there. You've got either probably going to draft a tight end, I'm assuming, but right now you've got Anthony Ferkster and Josh Reynolds as your wide receiver two, and Ferkster as your tight end one. Um, and then I just don't really know what Todd Downing is going to do as an offensive coordinator. So I just think I think the Colts are a better team than them. Um I just don't really believe in the direction that they're going, I guess. So I guess that's where, you know, my mind's at. Um, also just watched the most recent Busting with the Boys with Arthur Smith and seems like a really good guy. Really like Arthur Smith now. I've become a big Arthur Smith fan in the past 24 hours. And they all talk about how fun his offense is to play in. And he just, it, it, I don't want to, I don't, I think Vrabel's a good coach, but I really think that Arthur Smith might have been the, the straw that was stirring the drink, especially offensively down in Tennessee. And you mentioned Ryan Tannehill, Lee. I just, I just don't know if he's a guy who, now that he's outside of that system, is a guy that I really want to trust to, you know, bring an explosive offense to the forefront. So that was a that was a long-winded rant on Tennessee, but just a team that I'm getting more and more comfortable with the idea of them not being as successful this year. And uh, I guess I would say just to close that thought. I think there's no way Tennessee doesn't go over 500 in the division. Like I think the Col- I love the Colts, dude. The Colts are not going to beat them twice. The Colts like don't beat teams twice. I feel like. So I, I feel like if they- if they split with the Colts, I think that you got Jacksonville. You got four games against Jacksonville and Houston, like two against each, obviously. So like, I don't know. I think that they go three and one probably, and if they go two and two, then they end up. I guess, yeah, they go 500 in the division, I think you're in decent shape. But I think if they go over 500 in the division, which I probably would say is more likely than not, um, you might be in a little trouble yeah. with that under. I, th- I think they're going to have a hard time getting, getting teams off the field, which they had last year. And I think they're going to have a, so much, you know, last year, you look at the Lions game, they had a couple games against the Jaguars where, like, they're letting the other team score 28 points. They're letting the Detroit Lions. Corners are bad, too. Corners are corners bad. Are they bad. Lost Malcolm Butler and Adoree Jackson. And the offense, I think the offense yeah. just has to be worse. You know, maybe they're not going to be as bad as I think they are, but there has to be some regression there. We can move on. Let's stay in the division. Let's finish up the AFC South. AFC, uh, the Indianapolis Colts, win total of 10. Over is plus 110, under minus 134. Again, I probably would lean over here just because the, there's plus 110. I think they're the best team in the division. What was the but, line again? Uh, 10. 10 over plus 110, minus 134 to the under. 11 um, and 6? Oh, man. It's like, I don't Phillip Rivers was, like, good last year. Like, to what degree do you think Wentz will be better than Rivers? I like the over a yeah. lot, actually. I mean, I'm... I'm already comfortable I think, making yeah. my, this, my AFC South bet with them in, in Jacksonville. So that might be where I end up doing this. But I do. I think the floor is really high too. in Indianapolis. Me too. You've got a really good offensive line and running back. And when it comes to Wentz. We'll see what they do in the draft weapons-wise. And when it comes to Wentz, too, I, I kind of just Wentz believe is gonna in get the better. Frank Reich effect on Wentz. Um, I think Wentz is going to be in a, yeah. a place where he's comfortable. We all know that he has all the natural talent in the world. Did you guys see Frank Reich at the Notre Dame Pro Day? He looks so <laughs> sick, dude. He, he had like a leather – he had like a sheepskin vest. He had a sheepskin vest. It was awesome. It was so cool. <laughs> That's a guy yeah. you want to bet on. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I lean over here. I don't know. I mean, Clef, it seems like you're a, little, you're a little on the fence. Probably stay away for, for you. 
I think ten and seven's the floor, wow. man. That's why I like the bet. I think ten and seven's the floor. Like it. I don't I don't see this team really flirting too heavily with 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 five hundred. I think this is going to be a good football team. Rivers is fine. He was fine. I, I don't think he was that great. I think Wentz is naturally way better than he than he played last year. There was total disarray in Philly. Completely new change of scenery. Not a huge Wentz guy, but like he just needs to be like a like a good quarterback. It's not like he's going to be end up end up like winning them a bunch of games. He just needs to not make huge mistakes, which I think he's capable of doing. Love the nucleus on defense with Darius Leonard and DeForest Buckner. You know, I, I think that they're, this team has, you know, the best prospects. It's easy to say they have the best prospects in the division. Like, it's fairly easy to say that. So you can make an argument they have the best coach, with even if it's like 1 and 1A with Vrabel. Um, yeah. Love Jonathan Taylor. Love the offensive line. Like that they got T.Y. Hilton back. Interested to see what they're going to do in the draft. But love the GM there. Like I, I just trusted their ability to make decisions. Um, and I, I just see the ship to continue to sail there and them to win right around 11 games. I think that's pretty pretty accurate. If you're getting plus money for 10 flat and you can get a push at 10, I think that's I think that's a good Yeah, bet. and one more thought I'll add because I was big on the tight ends to win the AFC South last year. And I think Lee and I kind of – Lee was on the Colts. I was on the tight ends. The Titans ended up winning the division, but so much more variance and like high end, kind of what I was pointing to not being stable coming into this year. Whereas the Colts, I was really fading Phillip Rivers and all that, but they were pretty consistent the whole year, and Rivers was able to curb a little bit of his, his turnover tendencies from the Chargers. They gave Buffalo a hell of a game, game, too. I mean, in, in, I think when Buffalo. you look at, you know, not only the playoff, both of them losing the same round, but like, I just think the Colts were a steadier, better team than than the Titans last year. And if you laid mm-hmm. the Titans to win the division last year at plus one seventy, it was kind of a lucky win in, in a lot of ways. Um, so, your guys' boy Pittman too, like yeah. he's got to progress, right? Let's I love go. Michael Pittman. Got to believe Wentz is going to allow him to get to have some more opportunities at oh, that totally. offense. Totally, you know. Um, Let's move up to Buffalo. We're getting we got three more teams left here, boys. Buffalo, ten and a half, minus one ten, both ways. This is tough. This is tough. Um, this is a stay away for me, but I would lean over just because despite the fact that I'm not sold yet on Josh Allen being uh, you know, the this MVP you know, year after year, MVP candidate. I do believe in Sean McDermott. I just believe in the floor there a lot like we talked about with the Colts. Um, and I think it's easy to say that they're the, they're the top dog in the division right now. It kind of just all hinges on, on Josh Allen. So this is a stay away from me, but I do expect the Bills to, to probably win this division. And I would, if I had to gun to head, I'd take the uh, over 10 and a half. Yeah, I'm probably right there with you. I think there might be like a little bit of regression, but I don't know if this team is going to like... Dable stays. Even if he regresses like a yeah. little bit, that still means like a very good season. Like he, I mean, mm-hmm. Josh Allen made an exponential jump from 2019 to 2020. Like I don't think any of us expected him to to make that jump statistically. So it's like even if he regresses, I don't see him regressing too far. And then if he's able just to cut out the stupid plays um, that he just consistently makes every single game. If you cut those out or even just cut those in half, uh, then I think you're you're just looking at a, a team that's going to be really good for probably a while. 
Yeah, not much to disagree with there. Um, going to our last two, the consensus big dogs of the AFC for the past couple of years. We start in Baltimore. The win total is 11, minus 125 to the over, plus 103 to the under. And I'm going to take an under here, man. Um, gun to head, I take the under on Baltimore. It's not that I believe there's a large regression looming in Baltimore, but I do have a hard time believing that Lamar Jackson is going to evolve in any impactful way in terms of his passing, his passing game. And I just think 11 is like, that's a, that's a lot. That's a lot, man. It's, it's tough to win 11 games in the NFL, um, year after year. I believe, I believe they got to 11 last year. Um, cause I know a lot of people were on that, that under at 11 and a half and they just got it with the, the skin of their, their teeth. But yeah, not a lot more to add. I think, I think the Ravens, there's a good chance they win the, the AFC North. I believe they should be the favorite, but that being said, they've lost some. We talked about the loss of Judon, the offensive line, potentially losing Orlando Brown. Um, and just, you know, how much, if Lamar Jackson doesn't evolve in terms of his passing and this offense doesn't evolve in terms of their passing attack. How much higher, how much better can this team be, I would say. So um, I'm, I'm on that under at plus 103 with the Ravens. Yeah, probably wouldn't be in a rush to bet it, but yeah, I'm probably with you. The whole Orlando Brown situation is less than ideal. Even if he stays, it's still less than ideal. Obviously losing Judon, like you mentioned. Receivers don't want to go there. Um, I think Dobbins is going to have a better year than he did last year. I think Dobbins is a stud yeah. in that offense. I think Lamar is going to get his, man. I don't think Lamar is like, you know, he's not bad, but it's just like their offense is limited and it's niche kind of. So it's hard to really – I think we've kind of seen how like – we've seen the ceiling of what the Ravens can be and they vastly underperformed in the playoffs. So I don't know. I think they're kind of a regular season team as it is. So I don't know if I'd like be in a huge rush to bet they're under. Um but, yeah, I expect a little bit of regression from the Ravens. Yeah, yeah that's what I was going to say. I mean, I think we've been focusing a lot on, you know, hey, Lamar can't really throw and no receivers want to go there. That doesn't totally matter for the way that they run their offense. Um, it's still a pretty strong team mm -hmm. all around. I don't like that they lost. I mean, they've lost Darius Smith and Matt Judon over the last two seasons, and their defensive line, from what I kind of remember, is, is getting kind of it's old. Like, there's a lot of veterans there, and it's just not – kind of what it used to be. Um, obviously, you hope, though, that Patrick Queen it, it continues to, to to grow and uh, their their secondary is good with Marlon Humphrey and, and Marcus Peters. But you got, you know, you brought in Kevin Zeitler. Uh, obviously, you want to see how this whole Orlando Brown thing plays out. They have an opportunity to, you know, draft some receivers uh, in, in this year's draft. I, I wouldn't bet again. I wouldn't bet an under against the, the Ravens in the regular season. Then I would just fade them when they got to the playoffs. Yeah. Tough to disagree there, Clep. Um, let's wrap this boy up with a beautiful Kansas City red bow. Kansas City Chiefs, win total of 12, minus 110 to over and under. <sighs> I mean... 12's a lot. 12's a big number. Um, I just think, you know... Over all day. Over all day. Blue chip, baby. They're going to be the best team in the... They're a blue chip. They're going to be the best team in the AFC. You've got 17 games this year, so 12 isn't necessarily like as daunting as it may seem. Even if you like rest guys, still think this is the hardest team to beat in the NFL. Still think there's obviously going to be a big target on their back, but I don't expect the Chiefs to really 
regress that much. I think they're going to improve in the draft, like the signings they've made along the offensive line. Just tough to bet against this team. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I agree with you guys. I agree. Like, it's, 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 they're the Chiefs. They're the, they're the best team in the NFL for good reason. They probably should win over 12 games. It's just a, it's just a very fat number. And you're Patrick Mahomes dislocating his kneecap for an out for five weeks away from, you know, them only getting to 11 wins. And plus, they need to win 13. I'm not going to Yeah, bet. no. You, and they need to win 13 games if yeah. you don't want to push. So in order to get a winner, they need to win 13 games, which means they can only lose four games, which they are They went 14 and 2 last year. Yeah, they went 14 and 2 last year, but. And they, and they didn't even play the last game, week of the season. Yeah, they, they only lost one game last year, but I think they played with their food. With a, I mean, obviously, I'm not trying to say, oh, they, they only should have won 11 or 12 games, but I think we saw, we at least you can go back to those late pods during the year, and I know I especially was talking about how the Chiefs were in for a rude awakening in the playoffs if they kept kind of having this laissez-faire attitude. Um, I mean, look at the Saints game, look at the Bucks game. Like, those are two games that... Obviously, this is a, from the gambling aspect. They didn't cover, and like those games were ended in three point. They they could have lost those games where they were vastly outplaying their, their opponent for the vast majority of the game. And I don't know if how much of that is them kind of being bored with how good they are. Again, I'm not saying I'm going to take an under here, but just know when I think buyer beware when you do these win totals and you get to the top of the market and look at a team like San Francisco last year who had a win total at ten and a half, if I remember correctly, which I guess it would be an eleven half now. And it just takes a couple of injuries for a team season to go completely off off the board. And obviously, like as long as Mahomes is healthy, they're going to have a nice chance. But I just think it's a high number, so it's a stay away from me. But obviously, everything that you guys both said is t- tough to disagree with. So much for a quick 45, eh? <laughs> What's that? I said so much for a quick 45. Yeah, hey, I, I wasn't responsible for that like, almost- last portion. We're almost two hours into this boy. Rushing <laughs> territory, one thirty. Yeah, um, that was fun. Yeah, that was fun. That, that was, was fun. fun. Q, uh, Q, stay steaming.